Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Stand with me today. Turn to the book of First Chronicles. Turn to the book of First Chronicles, chapter 11. First Chronicles, chapter 11. It is in your Bible. Do not get it confused with Corinthians that's in the New Testament or Chronicles of the Old Testament. First Chronicles, chapter 11. Amen. Once you get to First Chronicles 11, someone say amen. If you're there, praise the Lord. Just had you turn there so you'll feel comfortable. And I'm going to pray and get involved in this lord jesus i thank you tonight god for your word and your spirit god that we have felt up to this place in time i'm grateful lord tonight to be here i pray oh lord enlighten our minds and our hearts lord this evening as we lord jesus endeavor god to hear what the spirit would say lord to the church in this hour i pray oh lord god we're grateful for this whole day but lord we're asking god for your anointing God's been in the song, Lord, to remain, God, through the ministry of your word, God, and that it would minister, Lord, to souls and to hearts and collectively us as a church. And we'll thank you and praise you for it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated. You can keep your finger there. I will get there eventually. Amen. Tonight we have deemed or I have deemed rather what this is called the state of the church address, the state of the church address. As a matter of fact, just a little history, on January the 8th, the 1790, the first president of the United States, George Washington, gave the first State of the Union address in New York City. And so the roots of this address go back to our Constitution, Article 2, Section 3, Clause 1, if you wish to look it up sometime, of the Constitution that says that the president shall from time to time give to Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. I believe it goes without saying here this evening that I am not president of the United States, but I am the pastor of this church and this body of believers that God has entrusted to my care. And as we enter into this new year here on this first service in this year, my family, my, my wife and our children, they join me here tonight in the sixth year of our pastorate here at the First Apostolic Church in Mount Carmel, Illinois, as far as of our tenure this far. And though, as we can know, according to our country standards, there is no higher office to be held than that of the commander-in-chief in the United States, there is no more responsible office to be held among the church than the role of a pastor. And so though we have pledged then six years ago, or five as it would be, this is our six years starting, we pledged with our blood and our toil and our sweat and our tears five years ago, we recognize tonight, my family recognized, my wife and I recognize that that alone will not maintain an apostolic church within this city. And if we plan not only to maintain a church in this city, but to grow, a church in this city it will take every single one of us and certainly the hand and the divine favor of the almighty god david amen that's okay they applaud at the union too amen hallelujah david was already king over judah when all israel gathered at hebron to make him their king and David took the city of Zion and they began to build it and repair that city. And the Bible says in 1 Chronicles chapter 11 and verse 9 that so David waxed greater and greater for the Lord of hosts was with him. So that when the Bible speaks of the greatness of David, it speaks in reality of the greatness of his kingdom. That David and his kingdom waxed greater and greater because note you the lord was with him folks i'm here to tell you tonight as we enter into 2016 if there is anything that ever takes place around here that even seems like a success it will be because the fingerprints of god were found on our lives and whatever it is that we may be doing 
The Bible says in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus is speaking to the apostle Peter and he says, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This was and will always be God's church. Amen. It's God's church. It's mine by virtue of attending here. It's mine by virtue of investing here. But ultimately, this here, this building, these pews, whatever takes place here is God's church. Quite frankly, there have been times that people have asked me uh, questions though, as though I'm supposed to know the answer to them since I'm the pastor of this church. And I oftentimes respond telling them I don't know. I just go to church here. And while on one hand I'm trying to be a little cute, there's a certain thread of truth in that as well. Because this isn't my church. This isn't the McGee's church. This isn't a family's church. This isn't your church. This is God's church. Does it require effort on our part? Absolutely. But if we exert our own effort without his favor, it all is in vain. It requires me and it requires you, but I guarantee you this, we could do everything that we want to do and aspire to do, and if we don't have his favor on it, it will go no further than this pulpit and never beyond these doors. We need the favor of God. We need to get in position where God can build God's church. God's church. Amen. I don't want to put forth a bunch of effort and a lot of exertation, exerting without the favor of God without God's hand upon it. For instance, tonight, for illustration purposes, exerting, if you will, exerting the effort to build a church without God's favor would be like you going out to your vehicle tonight, getting your car on the street, and putting down your feet on both the gas pedal and the brake pedal at the same time. And the result may be this. The wheels may spin... You might make a lot of noise, create a lot of smoke, may go in circles, may leave a mark, but you'll betray what the car was designed for. And that was to transport you from where you are to where you desire to be. In order for the church to be the church, I don't just need to be able to exhort some type of force. I need the favor of God. And when I get the favor of God, it's me letting off the brake to propel me from where I am to where God wants to take me. It's his church. It's his church. It is still, I believe, as the psalmist said in Psalms 127 and verse number one. He said, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city. The watchman waketh but in vain. Said it's the Lord. Everybody say the Lord. That's building the house. Whenever you look at the phrase to build the house, it could customarily in the Old Testament be taken in three different senses in the Old Testament. It could mean building the house of a sanctuary or of the Lord. It could mean building an actual literal house or abode. Or it could mean having offspring, thus building your family or building your house. As a matter of fact, the word son, daughter, and house in the Hebrew, all come from the same root word, which means to build. That's the reason why later in Psalms 127, verse number three, in that context, you see the scripture that says that, lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. It's spoken concerning children because to build a house could be having offspring, sons, and daughters. Not only does this apply in the natural sense, but it applies in the spiritual sense. As we, as the church, is as a longing woman ready to conceive and give birth to new sons and new daughters, new souls in this generation in the church. Souls are a heritage from the Lord.
Souls are a reward, if you will, of the Lord. I need God to build this house. I need God to build this assembly at 1121 Cedar Street. Folks, I'm not too foolish tonight. I'm not too foolish tonight to realize it takes a whole lot more to grow a church than prayer and fasting and the word of God. But I also know very emphatically tonight, you will not grow a healthy God-certified church without prayer, without fasting, and without the word of God. I know there's more to it, but it won't happen without it as well. It's God's church. It's God's church. Before Jesus ever told Peter, before he ever told him, I will build my church. Peter, prior to that, had already correctly identified the Lord. Had already correctly identified the Lord. And whenever Peter rightly identified the Lord and acknowledged the Lord in his life, the Lord turned around and said, I will give you a promise to build my church. When Peter got God right in his life, whenever Peter identified the Lord and acknowledged him rightly in his life, God says, I'll proclaim a promise over you that I will build my church. I will build my church. Folks, listen today. We have never been of this persuasion that we just bring things into the presence of God and then say, God, we want you to bless this because this is what we've decided within ourselves we'd like to do and we want you just to bless this and you, we want you to put your hand a favor on this. That's not been the persuasion over the past 20 exon years, uh, amen, around here. The way that we try to approach things is this. God, where is your hand at? God, where is your favor at? God, what are you blessing? And wherever God points it out, we try to rally around it because this is God's church. This is God's holy house. Someone say amen. And God works in dynamic areas. And that's the exact reason why. And I have nothing against this. But that's the reason why you just can't be a cookie cutter. Of some other church in another state or just down the road. Because God is working in that episode there doesn't necessarily mean that's what he has willed for your assembly in this place in this time. You've got to find the mind of God and say, God, what are you wanting to do? God, what is your design? What is your desire? I'll rally around that. I'll blow the wind and start the fire for it. Because this ain't my church. It's your church. The only church that can withstand the gates of hell is the church that God builds. Right? Remember in the book of Acts that some of the Jews were worried about Peter and worried about Paul, worried about some of these preaching in the name of Jesus, wanting to shut them down. Do you remember? There became an, an, an old sage among them and said, listen, boys, there was such a man, he named the man. He had a great following of people. said, but he ended up dying or that, dis, that just kind of dis, dispatched and he was no longer around and after a while all those people that followed him they weren't to be seen either and he named another individual he said they had a great following there was stuff going on but sooner or later things just kind of fell apart and they're no longer to be found he said preadventure these things that are being done is of God he says if it's of God you're not going to be able to do anything to shut it down but if it's not of God, it'll fall apart to begin with. So don't do anything unless you find yourself fighting against God. What are you saying tonight, Brother McGee? I'm saying this. The only church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against is a church that God builds. The only church that's going to be here when the rapture takes place is a church that God builds. Not some ingenuity of man, not a human thought or human idea, but a God idea. Someone say Amen. And so that's the case in the premise. It's up to us to ask God what he wants his church to look like. It's up to us to ask the chief architect, if you will, what design he would like to have for his church. Lucky for us, ladies and gentlemen, we've not been left without instruction. You don't have to turn too many pages over in the book of Acts to understand that the first church was birthed from a seven to 10 day prayer meeting. Doesn't take a lot of reading in the book of Acts to see this. And I assume the experience of the first church 
will be the experience of us in our day no different from theirs. The Bible tells me that after the Holy Ghost was poured out upon them in the first church and that was noised abroad, the Bible plainly says in Acts 2 that some of the people that heard this noise abroad, that some were confounded and others were amazed and others marveled and even some said, the Bible says, were in doubt and yet others were mocking. Someone say amen. They did that concerning God's church. Some marveled, some were amazed, some though were in doubt, and others were mocking. I believe it will be no different for us than what it was for the first church. God's church may not always be understood. It may even at times be mocked by those who do not understand, but the message is clear for those that are members of that church. Because the Bible says further down in verse 42 of Acts 2 concerning the members of that church that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking in bread and in prayers. We might have, if you will, mocking. We might have people that don't understand that doubt, but it's up to the church that God has his church a part of and that we are part of to continue in the apostles' doctrine, to continue in fellowship, in prayers, breaking of bread because that's what God's church looks like. It's his church. I have not been given the authority to organize a committee to change the doctrine. I've not been given the authority to be able to tell everybody, don't worry about your prayer life. It'll come out in the wash. God's not given that authority to me for the church at 1121 Cedar Street because he understands and I understand this ain't my church to begin with. But God's command it is keep the apostles doctrine. Keep that fellowship. Keep the breaking of bread and keep the prayers because that's what I want my church to look like. So as we enter 2016, I'm trying to put myself next to the standard of the early church and say, God, how do you want your church to look? He says, I want them to be a praying church. How do you want your church to look? I want them to be an apostle's doctrine church. How do you want your church to look? I want them to be in fellowship. I want them to have breaking of bread. That's what I'd like my church to look like. Because it's his church. came to this pulpit tonight bearing this sword here. This was Reverend Clifford Corbett's pastor. Clifford Corbett's Bible. That was handed to my father. My father, being the other pastor now, passed it down to me. I thought if I was going to give a state of the church address that I should have the generations before me here at my fingertips. Have the same manual. that they had it was in 1947 when reverend or might I say evangelist Clifford Corbett came to hold a two week revival for the free Pentecostal assembly of Kingsburg Illinois that's our history he would become the pastor whenever that two week revival ended six weeks later and pastor Corbett from the history of our church tells me that he was the first to bring Jesus' name baptism to this young six-year-old church back in 1947. I'm sure in 1947, there were some people that didn't understand it. I'm sure there was some that doubted it. I'm sure there was some that even mocked it. I'm sure there was, but there was a body of believers over there in Kingsburg, Illinois that kept on believing and continuing and the things that they had been taught and the things that they had been instructed in so much this year in November, 75 years of this church's existence, 75 years ever since 1947 when Corbett came, since that time to the present, we have had Jesus' name baptism around here for all of those years. Not the complete 75, the first six not, but from that point forward, we've had Jesus' name baptism around here ever since 1947 because there was a church that stayed true to the apostles. Doctrine. 
69 years of the apostles' doctrine. Why? Because it's his church. <laughs> and so as we stand here this evening and we're thankful for what the Lord has done and we look with anticipation about what the Lord can do, I stand here tonight upon the shoulders of those that have gone on before us who stayed strong and fought the fight when it had been a whole lot easier to compromise. Somebody hearing this pastor tonight. Been a whole lot easier to compromise, but they stood strong and they fought the fight. I'm not here on the shoulders of generations that have preceded me in those 75 years who were faithful in the highs and faithful in the lows of the church. I'm standing upon the shoulders of members and people who reconciled their differences for the sake of going on and for the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of God's church. Someone say amen. Amen. I'm either getting behind and drinking water when I preach or they thought it was going to be something else. I got three bottles up here. In 1 Chronicles 11 where we began in verse 10, the scripture goes on to say these words. These also are the chief of the mighty men whom David had, whom strengthened themselves with him and his kingdom, with all Israel, to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Understand what I'm saying very clearly here this evening. While it is vitally true that David needed God, the favor of God, the fingerprints of God, and certainly that was the primary reason why he and his kingdom waxed greater and greater. Verse 10 explains to me that his success was also attributed to the great aid that he received from his mighty men. In other words, the greater and greater that David waxed in his life and kingdom was God and the people that served with David. Look with me, if you will, at verse number 10. There's something there I want you to notice about those that served with David. The Bible says they strengthened themselves basically to do according to the word of the Lord. I like that. They strengthened themselves to do according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Here's what happens then. When God's church set their faces like a flintstone to do God's work according to his word. God's kingdom will wax greater and greater. (laughs) When a king got in harmony with his subjects and servants in hell and had the blessing of God upon what they were doing because what they were doing according to his word. He increased it. He multiplied it. And it became greater. What are you saying tonight, folks? I'm saying this. Not only do we need the favor of God, but we need to link arm and arm together and have a mind and hands and hearts that we can strengthen to do the work that God wants to be done according to his word. And when it all just pairs down, there will be a waxing of increase in God's church and in God's kingdom because that's the way that God wants it to be. Someone say amen. amen. The old saying is if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, it didn't get there by itself. That rings true for life and that rings true for this passage and that rings true for the life of any church. Amen. 
Because the kingdom's apparent greatness in David's time was due to God, yes, but also to those that served with him. And might I put in a little footnote, it will be no different in our generation. Someone say amen. If I might ask, and I'm not, but if you'll participate, I'd really appreciate it. How many have been going to this church for the past 15 to 20 years? Could you please stand? If you've been going to this church for the past 15 to 20 years, I know some of you are doing math in your head and getting out your scratch pad and calculator to be able to see if you can do that. Look around you tonight. Here's some people that's been going to this church for the past 15 to 20 years. Can we give them a hand tonight? Amen. Amen. Absolutely. 15 to 20 years of faithfulness and being in the highs and the lows and the turbulence and everything. You may be seated. How many have been coming to this church for less than five years? Less than five. Stand up. Don't raise your hand for crying out loud. I want to see who you are. Look at this group of people that come to this church for the, for the less than five. Can we welcome them tonight? Aren't we so appreciative that they're here with the student? Amen. Stay standing less than five-year-olds. Less than 10 years. You've been coming here less than 10 years. Anybody less than 10? Who else does that encompass? Less than 10 years. Look at that. Yeah, come on. Let's give them a great hand clap tonight. The people that stood, and there may be others that I lost in translation. I don't know, but I said 15 to 20, then I said less than that. So there might be, you know, the 10 to 15, the, the, the 11 through 14-year-olds, okay? You may be seated. But what I'm saying is, first building, second building, this building, we didn't get here because Bishop did that. We got where we are because God's hand and the hand of many of those that you've seen stand just a little moment ago. I heartily welcome those that are less than five years have been coming to this church. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 11, Nehemiah says these words. He's went to Jerusalem. He knows it's in ruins. He's wanting to do something about it. Bible says in Nehemiah 2 and 11 he says so I came to Jerusalem was there three days and I rose in the night and he says I and some few men with me neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. And so prior to this trip, Nehemiah has been struck with a burden. He's acquired a passion for what remained at Jerusalem. Leading up to this moment of chapter 2, he has been in a season of praying. It's been in a season of praying and of fasting. He has been weeping, pouring out his soul to the Lord concerning Jerusalem. He has traveled every bit of 700 to 800 miles to Jerusalem, which is no small feat in that day. And he's here just three days after that long journey. And he's getting up in the night while others are sleeping because he's consumed with thoughts of Jerusalem. He's consumed with thoughts of this blessed city and he walks through it and around it and he's taken inventory of the condition of some of the walls and some of the gates and God has laid something upon this man's heart that he's kept bound up in his spirit that he's kept bound up in his heart. He's not told anybody. Although there's some men that seem to be walking with him in this night surveying of Jerusalem, he's not told them anything about what God has placed on his mind or about what God has placed upon his heart. And so as he's going around, the scripture even tells us in Nehemiah 2, he says that the rulers knew not whether I went or what I did. 
See, they didn't have no idea. He even said, I didn't tell it to anybody. I didn't tell it to anybody that was going to be doing the work. You look at it, Nehemiah. He says, I didn't say anything to anybody that would be doing what I felt like God had planned for Jerusalem. And so the Bible then continues to say in Nehemiah 2 and verse 17, after he's had this walk and he surveyed the area and he's had his midnight walk, contemplating all these things that God has laid on his heart for the city of Jerusalem, he then says, Then said I unto them, Now, he's about ready to open his mouth concerning what God has for Jerusalem. Because that was God's city. What God had ordained for Jerusalem. He had laid on the heart of Nehemiah. He's now about ready to convey it to the people that were going to be participants in the work. He said, you see the distress that we are in? How Jerusalem lieth waste and the gates thereof are burned with fire. He said, come. Let, notice the, the verbiage now, us. Everybody say us. Let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them the hand of my God which was good upon me as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me and they, the people that would participate in the work, they said, let us rise up and build so they strengthened their hands for this good work. Nehemiah hadn't told anybody what God had put in his heart. As a matter of fact, in the moment of quietness of him not saying anything to anybody, what seemed like no activity was going on or taking place, God was talking to Nehemiah. Though no construction was happening, No walls were being built or gates being constructed and put back in place during the time of what seemed like inactivity. God was speaking to Nehemiah's heart. And notice, Nehemiah included the people. He spoke to them basically this when he said, let us build up. You know what Nehemiah was confessing to? What he was relating to the people? I can't do this work on my own. I can't do this work by myself because it's a great work. It's God's work. Hallelujah. And I can't do this alone. I can't do it by myself. It's got to involve somebody else besides me. He goes on in verse 18 and he tells them, I told them of the hand of my God. (laughs) In other words, Nehemiah, he's wanting them to know what I'm relating to you isn't something I set down with my own human ingenuity and drew up myself. This isn't Nehemiah's idea. This isn't something that I construed and constructed. This isn't some portfolio that I put together. But he says the hand of God was upon me. What he's trying to do is draw their attention that what I'm sharing with you right now isn't Nehemiah's idea. It's God's idea. It's not my plan. It's God's plan. And I'm asking you to be a part of it. See, this is God's plan. This is the Lord's doing what I'm conveying to you. He put this in my heart, but he put it in my heart to share it with you at this moment and at this time. This is God's work you're going to be involved in. Let me tell you, the way that we perceive things can change a lot of things where we understand this isn't my work you're involved in. This is God's work. This is God's work that you're involved in. What's about ready to take place next Sunday evening in our time for change service next Sunday night is something that God put in my heart last year in late May or early June. Maybe nothing going on, but God just at the proper time wants me to share, amen, and some things to take place that I feel like he put in my heart back in in the early part, in the mid part of, of last year of May in June. Nehemiah. If you'll notice in the scripture, Nehemiah strategically placed the people whenever it came to building the walls and the gates. He strategically placed the people along the wall so that the job could be accomplished. Listen, what is going to happen next Sunday evening in that service, a time for change, and there's going to be some transitions that take place. What's going to happen in next Sunday night's service is this. I feel like God laid something on my heart that I could put some people at particular places at the wall. 
and at the gates so that we could be better equipped to do the job that needs to be done at the First Apostolic Church. Amen. Positioning sometimes is everything. I scrawled, and you could walk in there tonight after church. It won't hurt my feelings at all. Room number five, it's still there. Back in late May, early June, I was here at the church, and I was praying, and God was speaking to me. God was laying things on my heart and laying things on my mind, and I went into that chalkboard and grabbed a piece of chalk, and I just went to going, and I filled that chalkboard from top to bottom to left to right, what I felt God was laying upon my heart. You could go in there early June. All of that put on was put on there, and I just wrote it out because I felt that's what God had laid on my heart in prayer and so you could go in there and see the etchings of your pastor's chalk fingers on that board about what I felt God was saying they're still there but I want to share with you just here this evening some of the things that I felt like God spoke to my spirit during that, that time of year, mid, mid, mid-summer, early summer last year. God began to deal with my heart concerning Matthew chapter 25. Whenever the, the Bible speaks to us about how he said, the Lord said, whenever I was hungered, you gave me meat. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. And when I was a stranger, you took me in. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came unto me because they want to know, when have we done all these things to you Lord he says well I'll tell you when you did it to me whenever I was hungry whenever I was thirsty whenever I was a stranger whenever I was naked whenever I was sick and you visited me whenever I was in prison when you done it when you done it when you did all of these things and God smote my heart in prayer one day concerning some things that we hope to start maybe just the roots of in this coming year what I would like to call Matthew 25 ministries Matthew 25 ministries because there are about five particular things in Matthew 25 because Christ said when you do it to these you did it to me. And it's the old cliches it's all about him. Matthew 25 ministries is this. He said, you you gave me to drink and you fed me. You took care of me when I was hungry and I was thirsty. I would like in this coming year, if we can get it started, to start a pantry around here at the church that can do just that. Feed the hungry and thirsty. Well, Brother McGee, what are you doing? I tell you what I'm doing. I'm ministering to him when I minister to them. Well, there's plenty of pantries in town. Well, that's fine. Let's just add one more to the list that they can go to where they can get food and where they can get their thirst quenched and let's feed them. Matthew 25 ministries. He says... He says, I was a stranger, and you took me in. Now, Brother McGee, I'm here to tell you right now, I am not taking anybody in my house. (laughs) They had benevolence toward strangers. We have had here just in recent years, and it's now up and running, the House of Hope over on 3rd Street uh, for women and children. That's the way it is as it stands right now. But uh, through all that endeavor, it had always been said that churches could sponsor one of the rooms that those people stay in and keep the upkeep on it, the paint and the, 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 the things that go into the room and, and, and maintain all of those things. I might not be able to take every stranger and put them in my home, but if there's a place that's already taken in strangers, the least that I can do is sponsor First Apostolic Church, sponsor one of those rooms, keep it nice, keep it the paint and everything that needs to be done there so that someone that we can house them. Why are you doing that? Because I'm ministering to him. He said, whenever I was naked, you clothed me. Also a part of our pantry, I believe. Let me tell you something. I've seen apostolics closets. And they're not hurting for clothing. I've seen people pull stuff out that still had tags on it. Whether they were Goodwill tags or Maurice's. But what I'm saying is I believe God laid in my heart for Matthew 25 ministries that we, can, that we can clothe the naked by in the pantry also having food, not just food but also clothing for the purpose of those that are in need of clothes. Folks, it was several years old statistic but the city of Mount Carmel, I believe it's 16 to 18, I can't remember the exact figure, 16 to 18% of our population is under poverty level. 19 it was. 19%. If that's the case, now, this comes from an animated cartoon called Robots, but if you see a need, feel a need. And I believe we can clothe the people. Matthew 20, why? Because when I do it to them, I'm doing it to him. 
He said also, he said, you visited me whenever I, I was sick. Listen, whenever people go to the hospital around here, it's going to be, for the most part, this is where I regularly run, if anywhere. It's going to be Mount Carmel, St. Mary's, Deaconess Downtown, or Deaconess Gateway. Is what it goes. And there's no problem with me doing that. I enjoy doing that. Nothing wrong with it. But there's nothing wrong with somebody else jumping in on the bandwagon too and taking part in it. Amen. Nothing wrong with that at all. Not only that, we don't have, per se, to my understanding, uh, uh, Patty's home, right, Sister, Sister Brenda? Patty's home. We don't have anybody in the nursing home right now, but those residents, as we went there in the month of December and sang for them, they need some love. They need some compassion. They need, we need to get back a nursing home service out there monthly that we can just go out there, sing a little bit, do a little bit of teaching to them in their golden years. Oh, Brother McGee, yeah, let me tell you, some of them, their clock is ticking and eternity is staring them in the face and they've not yet made things right with God nor know what it means to be born again of the water it never came to fruition but when we had nursing and home service there before and we was there one time there was a lady there that was inquiring about getting her mom wasn't her mother baptized in Jesus name honey what are you talking about that's a field that's a field and it's a way we can minister to him now see, all of this sounds great, me talking about it. But see, I'm, I'm telling you what's in my heart because I'm sharing with those that's going to have to be involved in the work. Shut-ins, we got people that can't come to church. Sister Angie Craig a lot of times cannot be here. She's out of church more than she's in church. Need people that can be able to just uh, make a phone call and if appropriate, show up at her house, spend a few moments sitting with her, talking to her about church, talking to her about her life, if, if, it's, if it's okay and her health is up to it, just to be able to go on there. Sister Nadine is not in a good shape. She would, she'd like to be where she was this morning every service, but physical body will not allow it. Somebody can make, besides me or anybody else, can make a trip to Carmine, make a call and say, hey, could I drop by such and such day? I just want to spend some time with you. And, you know, they need encouragement because they're going to be discouraged. Brother, what is all this? It's being the church. God's church. It's being God's church. Being God's church. He said, you visited me when I was in prison. Sister McGee, I had the wonderful privilege of going to the Women's Reformatory in Ohio. Tremendous, excellent. That was abroad, but there's nothing wrong with that being something that's local within our local jail or the Robinson Correction Facility or the facility that's between here and Terre Haute. I already have a pastor friend that goes there. All I got to do is speak the word and he'll get me all the information I need to get in there as well in order to participate in that facility between here in Terre Haute in order to go and have a service with a bunch of inmates. Oh, yes. Someone say yes. yes. Aren't you excited? It's yes. what God has laid upon my heart. We could go there. We could have a service. Amen. How frequent? I don't know yet, but I'm just sharing this from you from this side. Amen. We don't have all the details put together yet. We don't have all the dates on the calendar. But what I'm telling you is this year we're going to start getting the ball rolling towards some of these things. Amen. For me personally, the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ has a, 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 a chaplain service. You can be licensed. All I need to do is just pay the money and I can be licensed. You don't even have to go through a program because uh, Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ ministers they've already done the work they've already done the study that in order for us to even be licensed we already know more than what a chaplain knows and so we don't even have to go through no particular schooling and so they'll license us and I'd love to become a chaplain I'd like to somehow get uh, grouped with the fire department police department in our city if they need somebody to go to a door and say hey you lost a loved one man I'll be glad to go and tell them and try to console them and consult with them or if someone's been involved in an accident I would love amen you want to call me any time of night I'll get up put on a suit and go and be the face for the community and be the face for God I don't think it's no secret, but around this area, we have a lot of problems with alcohol, drugs, and all kinds of garbage. I believe that it's complete feasible that we could have, there are ACTS programs out, they're called Alcohol and Chemical Treatment Series. They were 
supported by the United Pentecostal Church Incorporated. They are honored within the government system that if somebody needs a program that they are governmentally uh, assigned to, that, that is one of the programs that is ordained and has been qualified that we could start here within our church. That's a 12-step program, but it's more than just Alcoholics Anonymous or things like that. It also has a spiritual aspect to it as well. And yes, there's certain criteria that you can say or not say, but what you do is you can get them to your facility and they have some help there and there's a little spiritual aspect with it and who's to know what they might not just show up at church sometime I got friends that have done these things wouldn't be nothing but a phone call how did you get it started what does it take place blah 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 in order to get something like this running but here's the thing all right here's the thing I can't man the pantry all right I would by no means be able to man the pantry, keep the room over at the house of hope going, go to the hospitals, especially when they get to Evansville. Hit, I've hit three of those on a Sunday afternoon one time. Go to the hospital over there. Go and do the nursing home service. It wouldn't be bad even just sharing to have a service at the high rise. We could do that. They've asked for it before. Do service at the high rise. Go to the prison at Robertson M between here and Terre Haute. Have a chaplain service, get up all hours of night, help whatever there, teach a class here also for those going through the 12-step program. Preach Sunday morning, preach Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and study in between. And maybe I might mow my lawn. You understand what I'm saying? The advice says, God laid this on my heart. But God didn't just lay this on my heart for me. He laid it on my heart for us. Let us strengthen our hands let us rise up and build and what I'm granting to hear tonight from the congregation is as they he heard from them they replied to him let us let us let us let us let us let us someone say amen Brother McGee, how are you going to do all this? Well, you haven't been able to do it to this point. How in the world are you going to do all this? I'll tell you why. Because I have a time for change service coming up where I'm going to position some people that's going to be able to help with the wall and the gates. Amen. And we'll talk about more of that next Sunday night because I got something that's been brewing ever since June to share with you then. Even as some things as I'm sharing with you now. God also laid on my heart, we have some elders still here. We have lost several elders. We've lost several people that just to death to death over the years that were good members faithful members of this church and contributors and and was there when the church house was open we love and we appreciate our elders amen we love all those are you if you're 55 years old or above will you stand for me tonight 55 years old or above so don't you call me an elder at 55 well i'm just trying to be kind amen amen thank god for our elders I'm telling you, you do not even begin to understand the importance of elders in a church. If there was not an elder, there would not be, by and large, this church. I feel in my spirit, God took me to Acts or actually the book of Luke, whenever they were taking Jesus to the temple for his dedication, and they met Simeon and they met Anna. One was a man, one was a woman. Both of them were aged people. Anna was in her 80s. They were, if I could say, elders. Anna, in particular, the Bible says that she stayed at the house of God with prayers and fasting. I'm not asking our elders to sleep on the pew every day of the week or anything. But I believe God has laid on my, my heart for a Simeon and Anna ministry that's a grouping of our elders that are 55 and above. And I'm not saying they have all the time in the world, but they might have more time than what they used to have. All right? That is, if they're not shopping and having coffee and tea and eating out and crocheting a new something. Making a quilt. All right. (laughs) 
going to water aerobics or something. <laughs> but you know what I you know what I treasure about elderly people? If they haven't got it by now, they just don't get it, and I believe they do. They know how to pray. And I would love for the group of 55 years old and older that whenever we have fresh guests come through our doors, that the end of a Sunday, Sister Penrod can put a list together and we can get in the hands of all of those old elders and they can take those names to prayer every day, every day. And that I can make a list of those that still need baptized in Jesus' name setting among us. And those that still need filled with the Holy Ghost setting among us. And I don't have to question about whether being prayed for because I can hand that over to the hand of some old elder while they're getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and they're saying, God, it's me, God. So and so needs a baptism of your spirit. And I can just hand that over into the hand of some elder that can spend some time in prayer for those that are needing that, those that are new converts, those that are guests. And for the fun side of it, I think it would be great for them to have organized activities and trips that they could go together on and on a Saturday. And I wouldn't mind even to drive for something like that if I had to. But places they could go and just enjoy and experience together and have a mode of fellowship. I'd love to call that our Simeons and Annas because we need some Simeons and Annas. If Jesus had them in his generation, we need some in our generation. Hallelujah. I'm hurrying along. I'm hurrying along. Will you raise your hands right now? <laughs> Folks, I know what I'm telling you is what God's laid on my heart. Because as I sat in my office today, I felt that same spirit that was on me in June as I sat underneath the tree in my backyard and began to write, 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 come upon me today. And as I held this old Bible of that first pastor and I opened it up and I looked inside and I read even what Bishop wrote to me as the next pa pastor. This is what he said. He said, this Bible has been passed from the first pastor of this church, Pastor Clifford Corbett, into my hands and now I pass it into your hands this 19th day, which was the day of our installation, March 2011, as the third pastor of this church he says it's really quite amazing you are the third pastor of this church and this is our third building but I don't believe this is our last building I believe God has great things in store for you in this church so do whatever is in your heart for God is with you don't fret of the things that seem to be in your way for God has given you the wisdom of Solomon in the heart of David you know what he was saying this is God's church and God has big plans for his church I read that today and began to speak in tongues. I got up from my desk and I said, oh God, help us, Lord, to be your church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Hamahana, he over Hoshapa. Woo! Shandari Abaho Shandara Rabahai. Hm, 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 Jesus, Jesus, somebody speak his name right now. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Jesus.
Set all things in order, saith the Lord. Yea, as I spoke to Ezekiel, I speak to thee this night. Yea, call for bone to come to bone. Sinew upon sinew and give you structure, saith the Lord of hosts. And then at that point in time, ask for the wind to blow from the north. Ask for it to blow from the south and from the east and from the west to converge upon the structure and the order that you put in place. And I, the Lord, will bless it. I, the Lord, will multiply it. I, the Lord, will cause it to increase and wax great. For I say unto thee, do not ask for the wind at this moment, but set all things in order, and I will put my hand upon it. I'll put my favor upon it and if you'll put your hand in it he says I'll have an exceeding great army that will take this city and community by force if you'll listen to my voice and be obedient to my word I the Lord will do this thing in your years thus saith the Lord hallelujah Jesus oh God oh God oh God oh God oh God Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God. I love you. I love you. Jesus, 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 Jesus. you'll for me just a little bit more time and I'll, I'll wrap this up I'll wrap this up discussions have already been talked I might not have said all this to everyone collectively but over the past six months I've spoken to individuals key people concerning certain matters that I've already discussed to you tonight another thing this might seem very simple but it is magnitudal to me we have a baptistry back here that usually anytime we have to get someone baptized, we got to get it ready to get it, someone baptized. And it is my desire that we can, the moment they say yes, we take them to the water. Because the Philippian jailer, in the same night that he needed it, it was done. We can take them to the water. We already have talks and things and uh, people that we can contact for the purpose of getting where our baptistry may not always be warm, keep clean, so on and so forth, so that the moment they say, hey, I see the need that repentance and baptism is for the remission of my sins, we'll say, come on and let's go down in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm hurrying. Are you all right? In, Acts 30, in Exodus rather 31 and verse 6, the Bible states these words. And I, behold, I have given with him Ahilab, the son of Ahizamach, of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom. Note this last phrase. That they may make all that I have commanded thee. This is God speaking to Moses concerning the building of the tabernacle. He tells him in Exodus 31, starting out, he talks about Bezalel. He says, I, 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 I've granted my spirit upon him. I've given him wisdom. And this, this other individual, Aholiab, I've given both of these people wisdom, he says, to work in manner of gold and silver and brass and wood and stone, everything that would be needed to do the tabernacle that was in the wilderness. And so as God is speaking to Moses, note that last phrase of what God told Moses, Moses, these will make all that I commanded you. You know what he told them? Moses, I've commanded you about the plan, and these are the people that's going to help you make it. I've laid it on your heart, but they're going to be an integral part in that coming to fruition. Some of you have gifts, talents, and abilities that God's placed there for the purpose of making the plan that he has work. Amen. God said, no, I'm getting there. As a matter of fact, as I'm doing that, Brother Alex, Brandy, can you make sure everybody gets a piece of this? 
blank paper, if you don't mind. Please, please, please. All right. Hut two, hut three. God said some time back during the service in this past year, the service in which this congregation prayed for my wife and I, the Lord spoke in tongues and interpretations some things into our life that were comforting and reaffirming for my wife and I. Spoke something in particular that my wife and I kind of latched onto in that service. God had said this, that he would cause us to bloom where we were at. Cause us to bloom where we were at. And whenever that took place, my wife and I, being who we are, began to look up some synonyms for the word bloom. And doing so, we came across a word that kind of became emblazed upon our souls and upon our spirits that I feel for this church this year should be a theme for us at this church. The synonym for that word bloom that emblazed upon our hearts was this. It is the word burst, which is defined as this. It is a verb, and it means to break break open or fly apart with sudden violence to issue forth suddenly forcibly as from confinement or through an obstacle to be extremely full as if ready to break open to appear suddenly become visible audible evident etc all at once and so i convey to you here this evening that and I'll probably preach more on that subject matter at a different point in time. But this evening, I would like for the theme of the year 2016, what I feel like God has laid upon our heart is for this year to be the year of burst. A forcible breaking, flying apart, open, extremely full to happen at the first apostolic church. I'm closing. You have a paper. Please write your name on that piece of paper, if you will. At another juncture in the road, I can't give you the date. If I look back, I could probably figure it out. But I have it, I have it written in the Bible that I read through last year. <clears throat> this particular scripture, and if you want to, you can mark it in your Bible. Of Romans chapter 15, verses 30 and 31. I'm going to read it to you in the translation that I read it from this year, if that's okay. It's good in the King James Version as well, but I'm just going to read it to you as I read it this year as I was reading through the Bible. This is what the Apostle Paul said to the Romans. He said, and I'm reading from the, li the, the Living Bible. He said in Romans 15, 30, he said, Will you be my prayer partners? He said, For the Lord Jesus' sake and because of your love for me given to you by the Holy Spirit, pray much with me. And then he tells them what for. He says, Pray much with me. For my work, verse 31, pray that I will be protected in Jerusalem from those who are not Christians. Pray also that the Christians there will be willing to accept the money I am bringing them. There's just a few things I want to point out tonight. He said, would you be my prayer partners based upon two things? Because you love God and you love me. And then he gave him instruction. That being the premise and the case, here's what I want you to pray about. And what these names are, we're going to gather all these up. We're going to disperse them back out so that you can have a prayer partner this year at the First Apostolic Church. And if you're a part of here, you can take that name, uh, Mom and Anthony, and you can pray for them as well. And if you get their name, you can pray for them. That's no problem. But nevertheless, prayer partner, he says, this is what I want you to pray about. He says, I want you to pray for my work, what I'm doing. I'm not talking about just a, a literal job, but pray for my work. That, that wouldn't hurt either. But pray for my work, what I'm doing. Number two, though, pray for my protection. And lastly, for him, it was the willing to accept the money I am bringing. But what he was basically saying, let me be effective with what's going on. So if I can, let these be three primary things that you pray for that individual that you get a name of this year. Pray for the work. Pray for the protection. And pray for their effectiveness in the kingdom of God. Pray for, you say, well, well, what is all this stuff? I'm just sharing with you what I feel like through the past year. 
God has shared with me. I think that we need some partners of prayer. You say, well, I pray for everybody every day, and that's fine if that's what you do. Or if you never do, maybe this will give you one name you can lasso around, and you can pray for them. Amen. Because you're praying for somebody that probably sits by you or has eats with you at some point in time in this church that you go to church with, you have fellowship with, we enjoy in activities with. We're a family. We're God's family. We need prayer partners. Guys, if you can pick those things back up tonight. Can you pick them back up? Come on, hut two, three, four. Hold those for me, guys. Brother Mason, if you'll come to the music, please. Don't run away quite yet, Andrew, please. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.